Chapter six of the surprising adventures of Bamfield Moore Carew, King of the Beggars, by Bamfield Moore Carew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was about this time the good old King of the Mendicants, named Claus Patch, well known in the city of London and most parts of England, finished a life of true glory, being spent in promoting the welfare of his people. A little before his death, finding the decays of nature increase every day, and his final dissolution approach, he called together all his children, to the number of eighteen, and summoned as many of his subjects as were within a convenient distance, being willing that the last spark of his life should go out in the service of his people. This summons was obeyed with heavy hearts by his loving subjects, and at the day and place appointed a great number assembled together the venerable old king was brought in a high chair and placed in the midst of them his children standing next to him and his subjects behind them reader if thou hast ever seen that famous picture of seneca bleeding to death in the bath with his friends and disciples standing round him then mayest thou form some idea of this assembly such was the lively grief such the profound veneration such the solemn attention that appeared in every countenance but we can give thee no adequate idea of the inward joy which the good old king felt at his seeing such unfeigned marks of love in his subjects which he considered as so many testimonies of his own virtues for certain it is that when kings are fathers of their people their subjects will have for them more than the filial love or veneration of sons the mind of man cannot conceive anything so august as that of a king beloved by his subjects could kings but taste this pleasure at their first mounting the throne instead of drinking of the intoxicating cup of power we should see them considering their subjects as children and themselves as fathers to nourish instruct and provide for them as a flock and themselves the shepherds to bring them to pleasant pastures refreshing streams and secure folds for some time the king of the mendicants sat contemplating these emotions of his subjects then bending forward thus addressed them children and friends or rather may i call you all my children as i regard you all with a paternal love i have taken you from your daily employments that you may all eat and drink with me before i die i am not courtier enough yet however to make my favours an honest loss to my friends but before you depart the book shall be examined and every one of you shall receive from my privy purse the same sum that you made by your business this day of the last week let not this honest act of generosity displease my heirs it is the last waste i shall make of their stores the rest of what i die possessed of is theirs by right but my counsel though directed to them only shall be of public good to all the good success my dear children with which it has pleased heaven to bless my industry in this our calling has given me the power of bestowing one hundred pounds on each of you a small but improvable fortune and of most use as it is a proof that every one of you may gain as much as the whole if your own idleness or vice prevent it not mark by what means our community like people of other professions live upon the necessities the passions or the weaknesses of their fellow-creatures the two great passions of the human breast are vanity and pity 
both these have great power in men's actions but the first the greater far and he who can attract these the most successfully will gain the largest fortune there was a time when rules for doing this were of more worth to me than gold but now i am grown old my strength and senses fail me and i am past being an object of compassion a real scene of affliction moves few hearts to pity dissembled wretchedness is what most reaches the human mind and i am past dissembling take therefore among you the maxims i have laid down for my own guide and use them with as much success as i have done be not less friends because you are brothers or of the same profession the lawyers heard together in their inns the doctors in their college the mercers on ludgate hill and the old clothesmen in monmouth street what one has not among these another has and among you the heart of him who is not moved by one lamentable object will probably be so by another and that charity which was half awakened by the first will relieve a second or a third remember this and always people a whole street with objects skilled in scenes of different distress placed at proper distances the tale that moves not one heart may surprise the next the obdurate passer-by of the first must be made of no human matter if he feels no part of the distress that twenty different tales have heaped together and be assured that where it is touched with a kindred misfortune it will bestow remember that where one gives out of pity to you fifty give out of kindness to themselves to rid them of your troublesome application and for one that gives out of real compassion five hundred do it out of ostentation on these principles trouble people most who are most busy and ask relief where many see it given and you'll succeed in your attempt remember that the streets were made for people to walk and not to converse in keep up their ancient use and whenever you see two or three gathered together be you amongst them and let them not hear the sound of their own voices till they have bought off the noise of yours when self-love is thus satisfied remember social virtue is the next duty and tell your next friend where he may go and obtain the same relief by the same means trouble not yourselves about the nobility prosperity has made them vain and insensible they cannot pity what they cannot feel the talkers in the street are to be tolerated on different occasions and at different prices if they are tradesmen their conversation will soon end and may be well paid for by a halfpenny if an inferior clings to the skirt of a superior he will give tuppence rather than be pulled off and when you are happy enough to meet a lover and his mistress never part with them under sixpence for you may be sure they will never part from one another so much regards communities of men but when you hunt single the great game of all is to be played however much you ramble in the day be sure to have some street near your home where your chief residence is and all your idle time is spent for the night here learn the history of every family and whatever has been the latest calamity of that provide a brother or a sister that may pretend the same if the master of one house has lost a son 
let your eldest brother attack his compassion on that tender side and tell him he has lost the sweetest hopefulest and dutifulest child that was his only comfort what would the answer be but i poor fellow i know how to pity thee in that and a shilling be in as much haste to fly out of his pocket as the first tear from his eye is the master of a second house sick waylay his wife from morning till night and tell her you will pray morning noon and night for his recovery if he dies grief is the reigning passion for the first fortnight let him have been what he would grief leads naturally to compassion so let your sister thrust a pillow under her coats tell her she is a poor disconsolate widow left with seven small children and that she lost the best husband in the world and you may share considerable gains whatever people seem to want give it them largely in your address to them call the beau sweet gentleman bless even his coat or periwig and tell him they are happy ladies where he is going if you meet with a schoolboy captain such as our streets are full of call him noble general and if the miser can be any way got to strip himself of a farthing it will be by the name of charitable sir some people show you in their looks the whole thoughts of their heart and give you a fine notice how to succeed with them if you meet a sorrowful countenance with a red coat be sure the wearer is a disbanded officer let a female always attack him and tell him she is the widow of a poor marine who had served twelve years and then broke his heart because he was turned out without a penny if you see a plain man hang down his head as he comes out of some nobleman's gate say to him good worthy sir i beg your pardon but i am a poor ruined tradesman that once was in a good business but the great people would not pay me and if you see a pretty woman with a dejected look send your sister that is at hand to complain to her of a bad husband that gets drunk and beats her that runs to whores and has spent all her substance there are but two things that can make a handsome woman melancholy the having of a bad husband or the having no husband at all if the first of these is the case one of the former crimes will touch her to the quick and loosen the strings of her purse in the other let a second distressed object tell her she was to have been married well but that her lover died a week before one way or other the tender heart of the female will be melted and the reward will be handsome if you meet a homely but dressed up lady pray for her lovely face and beg a penny if you see a mark of delicacy by the drawing up of the nose send some one to show her a sore leg a scalded head or a rupture if you are happy enough to fall in with a tender husband leading his big wife to church send companions that have but one arm or two thumbs to tell her of some monstrous child you have brought forth and the good man will pay you to be gone if he gives slightly it is but following getting before the lady and talking louder and you may depend upon his searching his pocket to better purpose a second time there are many more things of which i have to speak but my feeble tongue will not hold out profit by these they will be found sufficient and if they prove to you my children 
what they have been to me these eighteen years i shall not repine at my dissolution here he paused for some time being almost spent then recovering his voice and spirits he thus began again as i find the lamp of life is not quite extinguished i shall employ the little that remains in saying a few words of my public conduct as your king i call heaven to witness that i have loved you all with a paternal love these now feeble limbs and broken spirits have been worn out in providing for your welfare and often have these dim eyes watched while you have slept with a father's care for your safety i call you all to witness that i have kept an impartial register of your actions and no merit has passed unnoticed i have with a most exact hand divided to every man his due portion of our common stock and have had no worthless favorite nor useless officer to eat the honey of your labor and for all these i have had my reward in seeing the happiness and having the love of all my subjects i depart therefore in peace to rest from my labors it remains only that i give you my last advice which is that in choosing my successor you pay no partial regard to my family but let him only that is most worthy rule over you he said no more but leaning back in his chair died without a sigh never was there a scene of more real distress or more unfeigned grief than now appeared among his children and subjects nothing was heard but sighs and exclamations for their loss when the first transports of their grief were over they sent the sorrowful news to all the houses that were frequented by their community in every part of the kingdom at the same time summoning them to repair to the city of london on a certain day in order to proceed to the election of a new king End of chapter six